Thank you for joining us on Connecting the Diocese, a product of the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. My name is Jack Socha, your weekly host. Back when I was studying comparative religion at the University of California in Santa Barbara, somebody said, religion is not taught, it's caught. This is a little bit of what we do here. We throw things out at you, hoping that you'll say, hey, interesting idea, and that you catch it. Well, we're not the only ones. The United States Council of Catholic Bishops began a rather ambitious planning project last year, which is now coming to fruition this year as far as the public square is concerned. It's got to do with the Eucharist. What was it was going on in that upper room? Why was it that Jesus said, breaking the bread, this is my body, which will be broken for you, and taking the wine, this is my blood, which will be shed for you? How did all this happen? What does it mean? And more importantly, what does it mean today? What does it mean this Sunday when you're at Mass? From time to time, between now and June, we're going to have a series of experts on talking about the Eucharist. What does it mean? Why it should not be ignored? Why it should be taken seriously? What is real presence? What is this mystical transaction that occurs? So that's going to start today, and I think you'll enjoy it. It's a kind of an overview day today, and we will get to it right after this on Connecting the Diocese. I've spent a lot of my broadcast life in Wisconsin. First uh, Menominee, then Marshfield, then Milwaukee, now La Crosse. Married a girl from Owen Withy. I've spent more time in Wisconsin than in my home state of New Jersey when I left there at 18 years old. But I also live on the Minnesota border, and so I do take a look at Minnesota news. And something did catch my eye because it does have implications for any other major city and other places in Wisconsin. In 2023, in Minnesota alone, the Drug Enforcement Agency was able to intercept 417,000 fentanyl pills. Now, those are the ones they got, and that's a pretty good job, but still, how many more did they not catch? Now, if fentanyl isn't deadly enough, it is now being reported that the manufacturers of these pills, most of the basic materials come from China and then are just pressed into pills in the USA or Mexico. They are now adding a potent horse tranquilizer, the name of which I can't even pronounce, into virtually every fentanyl pill that is on the market today along with the very good chance that you can overdose on fentanyl because these people making these pills don't do a lot of careful time measuring. The other drug, the horse tranquilizer, continued use, which, and it's mixed in with the fentanyl pills, causes gaping wounds to appear on your skin. Sores, like some kind of biblical pestilence or leprosy or something. It's just disgusting and, and horrible. I'm telling you this because these pills are in your neighborhood. They're everywhere right now. In the article I was reading, they were saying in the greater Minneapolis area, for example, you can get these pills within 10 minutes on any street. It's more important than ever to talk to your kids about the dangers of drugs. We know how stupid they are. We know how you know they take chances. Hey, I was a kid once. I know very well. But it's critically important. This is really dangerous, dangerous stuff. And it is all over the place. So talk to your kids frankly about fentanyl and the added horse tranquilizer and why they should just stay away because it can kill them or disfigure them. Catholic News and Interviews. This is Connecting the Diocese. Well, as promised, Ann Langford from the Department of Catechesis and Evangelization back with us after a considerable uh, length of time, but it doesn't seem that long, but it's been a while, Ann. Welcome back. Oh, thanks so much, Jack. Good to be back. You know, I love talking to you because you are in this really critical department. Can you explain a little bit what, number one, what is catechesis? Let's, let's start with that one, uh, because that's a big word. Catechesis is really 
teaching the faith in order to take us deeper. And really, catechesis should come, well, catechesis follows upon evangelization, but really catechesis and evangelization are ongoing. But evangelization is encountering Christ and helping other people to encounter Christ. And then obviously that is a lifelong process to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And then obviously catechesis is what aids in going deeper. Yeah, basically you are in this extremely important situation and and other things you also work with. You have prepared all kinds of materials for the RCIA program, the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults for folks who are interested in becoming Catholic. I mean, it's a a big information center. And uh, I like to think that this show is serving a certain amount of catechesis. It's not just for entertainment. It's also both to inform as well and maybe every once in a while inspire somebody uh, by seeing other people doing great things and, and, you know, having their lives uh, uplifted. And it, it, it doesn't happen by osmosis. You know, you, you have to be shown things and told things and explain things and uh, uh, deal with misinformation and all kinds of stuff that is involving the church. And boy, you uh, you do a good job with that. You've been doing that for some time now. And uh, I'm always impressed when I talk to you because without the information, people will just stare at you and go, huh, tell me more about it. And we have to have information to help out. And you are doing a really good job with that. Well, thank you. I was kind of laughing. Speaking of catechesis, a little earlier today, I was looking at one of my favorite Facebook groups, which is one that looks at basically kitchen nostalgia. They have, you know, uh, cars with big fins and, and a lot of really horrendous clothing from the 70s, you know, leisure suits, <laughs> things like that, avocado green, you know, all this stuff. And, and somebody posted up this little, like, not a, it's kind of a cartoon strip, and it was supposed to be a guide for kids. And it was a form of catechesis from its day, several number, number of years ago now, of course, but it had a little girl at her bedside praying, and it said, pray, and a little boy who was reverently about to receive the Eucharist, and it says, receive sacraments frequently. And then another one said, remember God is always with us. And also remember our bodies are temples of the Holy Ghost. And then keep busy with work or play. And then resist temptation. And finally, avoid the near occasions of sin. And I was sitting there going, you know, this is really good advice. Uh (laughs) You know, this isn't just a little piece of nostalgia that someone stuck up and we all kind of chuckled at the cartoons. This is stuff that basically is what our bishop, our priests, our deacons, our religious, everybody in their own way in different fashion is trying to convey to people. And the idea is that there's a bunch of people out there who, for whatever reason, have decided that maybe they don't really need to know all these things or they think they've already got it figured out or maybe they don't care. There's a huge thing coming up that extends way beyond what I just read. What I, what the things I just read, if you follow those things, boy, I'll tell you, you're doing well. But there's a huge thing that is trying to explain further for people who have either never heard about it or forgotten or didn't care or don't believe or whatever the case may be. It's called the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage. And uh, we're in the second year of it. Can you explain what these years were? What what was the first year of this now? It's actually a three-year national Eucharistic revival. So it's the whole United States. This was begun by the U.S. bishops. And it's a a movement to restore and renew our faith in their Eucharist. To know and believe really with greater faith that the Eucharist is is Jesus himself. It's not a symbol. It's it's not just a piece of bread. After the priest prays the words of Jesus at Mass, this, this piece of bread is no longer bread. It may look like bread, taste like wine, but it's the body and blood of Christ. 
And the Eucharist is the source and summit of our Catholic identity. It's the foundation of everything we believe. He wants to be united with us. And so this three-year Eucharistic revival, we're currently in the year of the parish. You know, we throw these words around, National Eucharistic Revival. Well, what does revival mean? And it really means that this is something God is doing. It's a sovereign work of God. It's a divine visitation. But of course, we have to respond. He's not doing everything. We want to respond to his grace. We want to respond with prayer that we open our hearts so that we can come to know him better. This is not just kind of like yeah, I believe in God, but yeah, that's about the end of it. Or, you know, we can't really know him. No, he wants us to know him. And so this Eucharistic revival is for us Catholics and non-Catholics and anyone that's interested to come to know and believe and encounter Jesus in the Eucharist. That's really at the heart of it. It reminds me a little bit, and we just we got, got through Christmas just recently, and in the beginning of the uh, the Christmas Carol, you know Dickens' story where all these things happens, it starts out saying uh, Marley was dead, and this must be clearly understood, or all the rest of this will not make any sense. In my studies, you know, I, I did not finish the degree, but I majored in, in world religions. In my studies, the thing that we really have to understand is that there's a presence of God that is palpable and available, and it's like Marley was dead. Unless you accept something like that, unless you say, wait a minute, you mean to say I could have a relationship with God, that God wants to be with me. The rest of it sounds like gobbledygook. And what happens is you have a lot of people who just push it aside. And they say, no, it doesn't matter. You know, This is currently very much in fashion, probably has been in fashion in various forms for years. But right now in particular, these people who just go, ah, religion, I don't, ah, ah, not, not for me. And our point is, at least my point, is at least consider it. At least think about it. At least crack open the door and peek through. And this is what we're going to try to do. And there's a lot of people who have just gotten used to it. And they, they think, well, I, should, I go get communion every week. You know, that's about it. And there's just, you got to stop and do you have any idea what we're dealing with here? <laughs> this is a lot. This is really, really big stuff. You sent me some uh, questions about this, and I'm looking at them at the same time. There will be a national Eucharistic pilgrimage. And there's another term that the average person out there, especially if they have not had a lot of time dealing with church stuff, doesn't even know what a what a pilgrimage is. You know, there, uh, we hear people who are, who are doing a you know a pilgrimage to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's not the same thing. Well, a, a pilgrimage is a journey where we walk somewhere, but it's not just our feet. In other words, it's our whole selves, body and soul. So it's external, it's internal. And we travel to a location of spiritual significance, like stepping outside of ourselves in order to encounter God in places where he has revealed himself. And so as part of this Eucharistic revival, there's, as you mentioned, there's this national Eucharistic pilgrimage. It's very exciting. 
oh my gosh, they've done so much planning and it's just, it's so well thought through. So it's starting in four parts of the United States. What they're calling it the northern part is, is in our area and it's starting up in Itasca, Minnesota on May 17th. And this is called the Marion Route. Okay, so the north, and then there's uh, one starting in, out in, in California, one out on the east coast, and one down south. And there, there's these pilgrimages where they're carrying the Blessed Sacrament. In other words, Jesus in Holy Communion is placed, the consecrated host is placed in the middle of what we call a monstrance, in many cases, it looks like a starburst, and at the center, it's empty, and that's where they place the consecrated host, Holy Communion. And then it's got a long stem that a priest or deacon carries the monstrance. And so they're going to be carrying the monstrance, Jesus, in, in this Eucharistic pilgrimage from the four parts of the United States. And what I want to focus on is the Marion route, and we'll talk about later where they're all ending up, which is, I'll just say it's Indianapolis, with a large Eucharistic Congress for people from all over the country. And they're expecting 70,000 people. Very exciting. But what we want to focus on is the pilgrimage that's going to be coming through La the Diocese of La Crosse. That will begin on June 7th. And as we greet Jesus coming across from Minnesota, being carried by Bishop Barron, and will be given to then Bishop Callahan at the edge of the Cameron Street Bridge, recalling that very first day of June 7th, as the Eucharist Jesus comes into La Crosse, um, it's called the answer, because the Eucharist is the answer to all of life's questions. Jesus is the answer to all of life's questions. And it's called the Answer Eucharistic Rally, and it will be held at the La Crosse Center in downtown La Crosse. So there'll be a procession where the Eucharist is carried to the La Crosse Center, and then there will be this, this rally, this event all day long with several very well-known speakers, including Christophonic. He's an international speaker, travels all over the world. And then Immaculate Ilibagaza, who was a survivor of the Rwandan genocide. And she survived because of her faith in God and surrendering to him. He was very close to her and seven other people in this an incredibly small bathroom. They were there for 91 days. Anyway, it's an amazing story. And the focus is on God because that's how she survived, was God's presence, his grace. And anyway, I don't want to give that whole story away. She'll be speaking along with Josh Rosa. There'll be mass. There'll be adoration and confession all day that people that want to go. Um, there'll be music by Luke Spehar. Um, he's a nationally known uh, musician. There's going to be plenty of vendors and this rally is for absolutely anyone interested. So, Jack, I don't know if right now would be a good time that I could just mention the website. By all means, yeah, go ahead. Okay, our website for this rally, and then it includes all the other details that I'll be just spelling out shortly, 
It's D-I-O-L-C, short for Diocese of La Crosse, so D-I-O-L-C dot org slash the dash answer. So D-I-O-L-C dot org slash the dash answer. All right. You know, it's interesting. If somebody, I don't know who that would be, but someone came from Mars, <laughs> they just, and they're, they're human, and they, and they come here. If we had to explain this to them, because they know nothing about it, we have to go back to you know, the upper room and, and right before the crucifixion, where Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and then of all things, you know, he takes this bread and he breaks it, and then he blesses it, but then he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. And then later on, after dinner, he pours the wine and he says, this is my blood, which is shed for you. The question is, of course, why did he come up with this particular way of doing what he was doing? It should be noted, of course, that back in, in, the, well, in the, the, the Jews did not ever drink any animal's blood. They would, was drained from them before they ever would eat, you know, um, a lamb or whatever the case would be. So this was really um, a startling thing to say. And, you know, why didn't he um, come and say, uh, you know, uh, this brick here that we you know, that, that I have um, will be the foundation of, our, of your new life and that this cement will be, you know. Why did he pick those things? And I'm sure at some point in our discussion uh, over these next several weeks, uh, someone's going to talk about that. But I, I have absolutely no idea. This was a symbol, but it wasn't a symbol. It was him saying, this is it. And this, this is a really heavy-duty theological topic to be talking about that... Uh, uh, People just kind of go, oh, that's what he said. Well, we're going to have to, un- you know, as they used to say, unpack this. Because, frankly, I would love to talk to some people who know more about this than I do as to what was going on. And then, you, of course, you've got the different groups of Christianity who have different views as to what it was. There's, but there's nobody who says, oh, it was just a symbolic gesture. That this is not, this is not some little thing kind of like a bumper sticker. This is a big deal. And... You have to, at least for the time to understand this, to begin thinking about it, you have to accept the idea that there is a God connection available to humans. And just like the thing in, you know, A Christmas Carol, without that, the rest of this makes no sense whatsoever. And that's why we have to ask you, for the time being, just to listen and to hear what has to be said. Because once you begin to see this, then all of a sudden that you say, well, wait a minute, if Jesus really has something to say and Jesus is really here, then you know there's a lot of trouble going on in the world right now and in this country all the time. And he had a lot of good things to say and maybe we should be listening to him. And maybe this is one of the reasons why we're doing all this stuff all over the country because, you know, like you say, the answer, how come things are so rotten? How come I feel so bad? How come everything is messed up? How come nobody cares about me? How come I don't care about anybody else? Well, maybe you haven't been looking for the answer. Don't know. Mm. It's a good thing. Yes. It's a good thing. You've posed some very good questions, and I think maybe we need to speak about those a little bit. Yeah. Um, Jesus said that he wanted to remain with us always. He, he would not leave us orphans. And this is foundationally, the, the Eucharist, he literally wanted to remain with us 
And so he gives us himself in the Holy Eucharist. It's Jesus alive. He was crucified, but he rose from the dead. So when we receive the Eucharist, it's the living Jesus. And why do we want to receive him? Because, look, life is difficult. Life is good. We have enjoyable times. But there are trials and struggles and difficulties. And he gives us himself so that we're not alone, that we're strengthened by him. He goes through these difficulties with us and strengthens us to go through it and gives meaning to the suffering. And look, that's a whole nother topic. We can't go there, maybe sometime in the future. But in other words, God created us with a desire on our heart for him. And you can't erase that. He created us that way so we wouldn't forget. Maybe many out there don't know this, but that's why those who do know need to speak up and help people to understand better. Every one of us are called to that by our baptism. And so Jesus gives us his living flesh and his precious blood, but he, you know, it's not, he blesses us that it doesn't taste like his flesh or look like his blood, but it, it is, we know this, there's Eucharistic miracles all over the world. He's helping us to truly believe this because it's an incredible mystery. And he's God, and he can do this. Yeah, there you go. He is God, and he can do this. This is not a yes. question of suspending a belief or suspending disbelief, I should probably say, but of opening yourself up to the idea that God can do stuff that you probably haven't ever thought of. I mean, you, you don't find this you know, in the same realm of experience as you do, you know, infomercials or going shopping or whatever. This is this is God's stuff. And there's an awful lot of people who know a lot about it and can actually share some information and help you figure out how you can kind of like open your eyes and see these things. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the book title, my favorite book title of all time, and I, this guy, if this guy got a nickel for every time I mentioned his title, he'd be rich by now. But... Uh, that was Adventures in Religious Life. This is an adventure. Mm. And if you're not participating in this adventure, in my opinion, you're, you're really missing out. I mean, okay, it's great to go kayaking in the, in the white waters and things like that, but, but no, this is an adventure of magnitude. And this event coming up, this event that's been going on and will continue and will be coming into lacrosse, is part of the adventure, and you will get to see and hear uh, and share time with people who are on that adventure. And it's pretty exciting stuff. Yes. The adventure is we want to encounter the living person of Christ so that we can deepen our relationship with him. Because then we find peace, we find joy, we find solitude, we find answers to the difficulties in life. We're helped to endure and to make it through difficulties. Anyway, it makes life 
what it makes life first of all an adventure but it 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 just brings a whole different perspective and reality to life that we have this we can have this peace we can have true joy and that we're preparing to spend eternity with the god who loves us perfectly and unconditionally yeah it basically you're you it's like you know during the christmas season people go they they act a little better in many cases and they they act little acts of kindness they go all around you and they kind of wistfully say boy i wish we could do this you know i wish christmas the spirit would be we go longer well it it can this is not just a an adoration of a a statue or something like that, not an idolatry kind of thing, you know, um, the big golden calf or whatever. This is understanding a way of life that improves the entire world and yourself at the same time. Uh, and they're saying, come and see this. Taste taste and see, as they say. And you're going to be talking to people whose lives have already been changed. And maybe we can find some answers to things that make you a better person for yourself and for others, but you got to come over and first you have to at least stop and look. You know, if you don't just like pass it by and go, oh, that's neat. Okay. Yeah. Too bad. I'm busy. Back to the National Eucharistic Pilgrimage, which will be coming into our diocese by way of La Crosse across the Cameron Street Bridge. This pilgrimage will the first day, as I mentioned, is the rally, which is a full day at the Lacrosse Center. And by the way, it's fifteen dollars a person. It's an early bird special right now for fifteen dollars <laughs> up to February twenty ninth, and then it goes up to twenty dollars. So please consider registering early. It's a great deal. Okay, and so the pilgrimage will then continue through June twelfth, eighth through the twelfth, and it will be going through various parts of the diocese. Uh, and I just want to mention a few. From La Crosse, it will go in several places in La Crosse on both Friday and Saturday, the 7th and the 8th, and then up towards Sparta, St. Patrick's Church, um, to, so that the Hispanic people can be part of this. Then up to Wisconsin Rapids on the 9th, and then the 10th, the morning of the 10th, it will the, the the blessed sacrament will then be taken to Polonia, and then to Hewitt and Marshfield, and um, let's see, then up to Colby Abbotsford, and then finally to Wausau before the pilgrimage carries the blessed sacrament Jesus into the diocese of Green Bay. So we've been very blessed to have the pilgrimage here. And during those days from the 7th through the 12th, there will be many smaller processions in the various cities that if you live in that area, you can participate. So a procession is led by servers and incense, and then a priest normally or a deacon carries the, the, the monstrance with, with, the, with the blessed sacrament in the middle of the monstrance. So it literally Jesus is being carried and it's amazing how along the way people will stop their cars. And if they know 
Uh, maybe if they don't even know what's happening, just the reverence and they, they want to know what is going on. You will see people along the way come out of their homes. They'll kneel down because they know about Eucharistic processions. Anyway, it's just an amazing thing to be part of. And we hope you, every one of you who are listening, that you will participate in these incredibly significant days as Jesus is with us in this Eucharistic pilgrimage through our diocese. And then, Jack, you you ask about, okay, well, where's this pilgrimage then going? So it will ultimately, the four different routes, including ours, the Marian route from the north, will end up in Indianapolis, and they will have what's called a Eucharistic Congress. And this Congress is for anyone who wants to attend. They can hold up to 80,000 people. It will be at a stadium, and then obviously at some convention centers, etc. cetera. Um, that will be July 17th through the 21st, 2024, so this coming summer. And so the intended purpose of the Congress is that the faithful from around the country can go encounter Christ and be incredibly blessed with 80,000 people worshiping Jesus. Can you imagine? And by the way, this will be the 10th Eucharistic Congress in the history of our country. They used to have them... Well, I just know that I've heard about the prior nine, and they had to. There was one planned, but it was stopped because of World War II, and then we haven't had one since. Really, uh, right? So this really and is something historic that we're going to be historic. Uh, uh, yes, uh, yes. And I love the fact you mentioned all those bigger and smaller towns uh, in our area. Yes, uh, I, I have personal knowledge of a whole bunch of those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like I could just see Abbotsford and Marshfield. Did you say Hewitt also? Yes, yeah. yes. I, I've never really been there a lot, but I was doing some reading about it. It's a nice little town. Yes. Um, they're all nice little towns, but you had just recently caught our attention as being, gee, that would be a, just a nice place to live. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm thrilled about that. I want to get back just for a second to the. Um, the early early registration, fifteen or twenty dollars later, it's very simple. It would not be possible for the diocese of Lacrosse to take a whole bunch of collection plate money from everybody to buy seats for everybody in the Lacrosse Center. Financially, not not the pain of paying, and isn't that much? A couple of lattes, basically, uh, sharing that among everybody helps pay for this event versus trying to, you know, get a special collection or something like that going on. So that's not a, not a lot of money. Again, did you say there are going to be vendors there? So if you want a variety of spiritual materials, uh, whether they be yes. reading or decorative or, uh, you know, whatever they are, uh, there'll be things there to kind of inspire you as well, which is, which is great. I don't know how to explain this. It's a big deal. And like you say, people who may see this going on, um, will probably feel something around it as it goes. I've been to enough of these situations where uh, when you see this many people doing something peaceful like this, and, and you know they don't just love Jesus, they love everybody else around, and they, they want people to love each other and love Jesus because this is what he was saying to do. It gets to be a little infectious, 
and uh, people feel good and people feel happy and people like the way people behave with each other and they say can't we just keep doing this and that that's really part of the goal of the whole thing is to continue this this shouldn't be a special event this should be your life uh, yes. and, and for a lot of people it is we see it all the time where we are we, we're lucky and we get to see a whole bunch of nice people coming through that building and elsewhere mm -hmm. And so we see how good people can be and what goodness can do. Um, and not everybody has that, that luxury. I'll call it a luxury. Talking with you, talking with the bishop, talking with all the other people who are working on things, Catholic charities. I see all these good people doing good things inspired by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus. And be nice to see a whole bunch of other people behaving the same way and at least understanding why people who are doing good things are, are doing good things. Um, it's, it's just very natural to me and natural to you. But for a lot of people who are a little alienated from churches right now, uh, this would look at first a, a, a little bit weird. But it is, um, it is a, a big deal. Three years and the year of National Eucharistic Congress and Missionary Ascending. Why did this happen now for the first time since World War II? Why is this going on now? A very good question. So the bishops, there was a Pew survey out among Catholics that said that a great number, a high percentage of Catholics didn't believe that the Eucharist is Jesus. They, they're even saying they don't even know they're supposed to believe that. And so a few key bishops, Bishop Cousins, Bishop Barron, and some others stood up before all the bishops and said, something has to be done. The Eucharist is the, the foundation of everything we believe. It's, it's Christ, in it, and the church is his church that he founded. And so we have to believe in the Holy Eucharist. And so they came up through prayer. They were led to this idea of a three-year Eucharistic revival, which is brilliant because when in the past we've had the year of priests, the year of St. Joseph, they're good, but you know, it takes a while to get things going. And by time everything's in high gear, it's over. And so they wanted this three year with a, a little bit different focus on each of the years. And we're in the year of the parish right now, and at the heart of this is going to be this Eucharistic pilgrimage, you know, towards the end of this year of the parish, which is in 2024, it moves on to the year of going out. But back to this year with the, the pilgrimage and the Congress, it's about preparing us, in other words, helping us to grow deeper, each and every one of us, no matter where we are, to go deeper in our faith and our love for Jesus in the Eucharist, to receive him in a more reverent way, to speak to him, to adore him, to love him, and to allow the Eucharist to strengthen us and change us, transform us, so that we can live as his disciples, live with love, with charity, with forgiveness, that we come away from sinful habits and we frequent the sacraments of confession, etc., and other sacraments, that we 
In other words, many people wait to baptize their children. They say they want their child to decide which church. No, 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 come on. Jesus started one church. He only started one. And every other community was started by a human being. So we want our children baptized into the one true church that Christ founded. But the point is, is that this idea of waiting till your kid is 18 is not a good idea. Um, for one thing, uh, by that time, who knows what strange things will, they will have decided. You know, I, I realize people go, well, why should you ask your kid to, you know, to choose something when they're, when they're really, really little? Because, you know, I wanted to be a spaceman. But, <laughs> you know, but nonetheless, the importance of grounding a child in a faith, starting at a young age, will shape their entire lives. I am so grateful that my parents spent time to, to you know, not ignore it and say, well, when he's 18, he can figure it out. And even like this little brochure thing I found online that we were talking about earlier, the idea that just as you say, there are people who don't understand that the, what the Eucharist really is all about. Uh, there's people who don't understand, why should I pray every day? Why should I receive the sacraments? You know, why should I remember God is always with us? Why should I remember our bodies are, are temples of the Holy Spirit? Why should I always keep busy with work or play? Why should I resist temptation? And why should I avoid the near occasions of sin? I don't even know what the occasions of sin are, you know? These are rules for living, and they're not like rules like, you know, I'm going to whack you with a, with a ruler kind of rules, but they are basic rules for having a good life and not falling into harm's way. And boy, I'll tell you, if I didn't have these kind of things as a kid, um, I could have gotten into big trouble later on. Uh, and I didn't. And it, it served me extremely well. And I think, I think, I hope I'm a better person because of it. Um, it certainly uh, didn't hurt. And uh, I still, <laughs> I still, considering how bad I could have been otherwise, uh, who knows? But this, this is, you got to lay down some, some guidelines for people. And at the same time, you should make sure that your kids are open to the idea that there is a spiritual side to us. You know, I would use the word mystical. That gets a little bit crazy sounding, but it's out there and it's around us. And you can ignore it all you want, but it's still there. And if you open your eyes and spend some time and listen to people and talk to people who have been immersed in this and who know much more than I do, I can guarantee you that, you'll say, wow, that's exciting stuff. And this is the kind of experience people are going to be having during this whole event going on. It's uh, it's really quite amusing that uh, most folks will go, huh? <laughs> and not, not have any idea what we're talking about. But spend some time these next several weeks uh, when we have our special guests on. We're not going to talk about this every week. But believe me, once a month or so between now and June, we're going to have some people on who are pretty expert talking about you know, fleshing out this this whole thing. And, of course, is the, the spearhead for this because, boy, your job of catechesis and evangelization is so important. Unless you get people's attention and unless you have materials that you can give them and show them and you can go to RCIA and learn things. And it has to be somewhat organized. You can't just kind of haphazardly approach this because it's really important stuff. You, you spend a lot of time preparing a, a very large library of help which is available through the Diocese of La Crosse, the Diocesan website, and RCIA and other things. It's been a lot of work for you, and I, I, I can't imagine how much you've done. I, it, it's just mind-boggling. 
Well, we've got quite the team working here. And I tell you, Jack, this, this whole Eucharistic revival pilgrimage, I mean, we've been busy for the last two years preparing things and help, you know, sponsoring events. But this is so big that every person in this building that works here is involved with the plans. We'll all be there for the rally. Um, we're, we're all hands on deck. So we each have our roles to play and it's a plot for the role. But I guess what's so exciting is, is this, you ask a very good question before, you know, why this Eucharistic revival? Well, you know, the world's a mess and so many families are a mess and many of our lives are a mess you know, there's just a lot of things that are in an uproar. Um, and I don't need to go into all the details. All you have to do is watch news for five minutes to know that things are really out of order and a lot of misery and et cetera. Yeah. But this Eucharistic revival, this, this pilgrimage that's going to be coming, and in the meantime, parishes are also doing... Um, events and, and, you know, different activities. But we are just so excited to witness what God has already done, what he is doing, and what he has in store for his church in the U.S. through this revival. Because our world is in desperate need of the love of God, and he wants to give it. And so to each one of us, and so let us enter into this incredibly significant opportunity to encounter Jesus and that, that each one of us open wide the doors of our heart to Jesus Christ and go deeper in our faith and our love and allow him to love us and, and, and to be strengthened in our moving forward. The other thing is also that occurs to me is that this does not mean this is a cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all, absolute system. Uh, there's variety for expression, uh, how you participate, how you encounter the whole thing. It also doesn't mean uh, you have to totally uh, give up fun. Not at all. You know, uh, some of these people you're going to be meeting are some of the most joyful and creative people you're ever going to find. And in many cases, very fulfilled in what they do. Um, this is not a limitation. I guess that's my point. This is a, precisely the opposite of a limitation. Uh, it, it is an expansion of you as a person into areas that you may never have dreamed was possible. Um, it just can change your life. Uh, and the first step is, though, you have, to, you have to spend a few minutes and listen and watch and read and maybe find out more about it. And then uh, participate. Dip your toe in the water. And see what's going on, which is part of the reason why we're starting out right now in a freezing cold weekend, talking about an event that will be really culminating as far as the local area goes in June. Uh, but but to get people interested uh, to see what's going on, this is not something scary. It is not something that uh, we're we're not going to point fingers. We're not going to. No one's going to say you're not good enough to participate in this. Precisely the opposite. Anybody who has an interest, I don't care what your background is, I don't care what you've done, I don't care what you think you are, no, 
uh, Jesus would not turn you away. And believe me, um, uh, that that door is still completely open. And, and Anna's working real hard to get the word out about this. And uh, what else can we talk about this hour to get people to go to the diocesan website and look uh, to go find out what their local parish has got, you know, on the racks and things like that. This is uh, pretty exciting stuff. We're trying to to be both uh, specific and at the same time a little bit more more general, so that we can kind of get a lot of information out that this is happening. What's the next big thing that's going to happen? Uh, are you going to be seeing stuff in Catholic Life magazine, or uh, what's the next big thing we're going to be expecting to see in our diocese? Well, you know what? They already started magazine articles about the rally and the procession. And so in each of the, um, I think the first one came out in January, Chris, Chris Rogers um, introduced, well, we've been, we've been advertising it, but he has a full article about the rally. And then in each of uh, the next, the upcoming magazines, There's articles, in other words, I just wrote one for March, April, that's on Immaculate, just a, you know, an overview of her time during the Rwandan genocide and how she survived and how she, it's not this gory, terrible, it's, it's all about God's love and how he saved her and these other six, seven women that were with her in this tiny, tiny bathroom for 91 days. But the, the lessons that he taught her so that she could survive. Anyway, I, I sure learned a lot writing that article. So that'll be out in March. And then the, the May, June magazine will be completely dedicated to the, the pilgrimage coming in, the rally, and then the specific processions in all the cities that I named. Just in a, a complete, and, and actually they just added several pages to the magazine because there's so much to it. Sure. Yeah, see, the reason I, I approach it from this point of view is I'm one of these guys who's a, uh, I call myself a professional explainer, but uh, I, I need to f- furnish people with a why. Why should you come to this? Why should you do this? You know, uh, I understand that there's these, the event is fantastic and there's all these great speakers, but I have, I'm trying to reach people who would otherwise have no interest in this. And, and there, there are people who are, maybe they're sitting there, they're, if they're listening to this show, you know, even casually, they've got something going on. They're interested. Um, and I'm trying to convince them that you really should, again, just take a look, read these things, find them out. Uh, even if you're not completely sold on the whole idea, go take a look. You know, there's no hooks here. There's no, no, uh, no one's going to force you into anything. Uh, this is something that is going on that is designed to try to make the world a better place. And, you know, it is not a cult. It is not, um, it is not a, you know, a thing to suddenly um, start sucking money away from you. Uh, uh, none of those things. Uh, none of those things. Uh, it is simply an opportunity to look at a way of life. The whole thing funnels down to, again, Jesus with his disciples in the upper room. And this is the, the fundamental part of the whole thing, the Eucharist that said, I'm with you till the end of time. 
And, you know, <laughs> this is the inspiration for thousands of years of, of work and study and praise and uh, art and uh, everything. And it's still going on. And as Anne, you were saying, right now there's people who, ah, for a variety of reasons, they just kind of go, eh, I don't know. I, I, I just can't get into it. Because we have a certain malaise that has kind of swept around the world. We're, we're maybe read to, lots of reasons why we could discuss that in another show sometime. But uh, everybody's fighting it in the Catholic Church. I don't mean fighting it physically, but I mean we're trying to say, look what we're doing. Look what's going on. Look what God has to offer. Uh, look at everything here. And and just just stop for a minute and, and look. Come here. Come here. Take a look at this. Watch this. So this may be something that uh, can really get a lot of people back to thinking about their lives and their their relationship with God in a, in a totally different way. And that probably will not be a bad thing because uh, you can't go too wrong when you're, when you're thinking in those directions. Right. Can I just say what you said was very important? And I think that people, if they come to any part of this, that they will experience a hope that that will be incredibly inspiring, uplifting, and just fill their heart with joy. And then also, they I believe that they will experience God's love possibly in a way they never have. When that many people are together and what will be happening with, you know, prayer and the Eucharist and the Mass and, you know, that many people gathered and hearing good teaching, uh, compelling teaching that, that anyone can understand. It's not going to be over anybody's head. No one. Um, that, that they will just experience an amazing encounter with Jesus Christ that, that will be incredible. Well said, Anne. I tell you, you managed to use the one word that I hadn't thought of, and that was supplying hope. And uh, boy, there's a deficit of that right now, even though there is plenty of hope to be had. Uh, and yeah, fulfillment, hope, joy. These are words that, uh, you know, don't just belong on Christmas cards that got put away in after December. You know, hope, joy, love, peace. Uh, all these things are out there. And uh, as you say, they're very much going to be in evidence, uh, whether you see a procession on the road or you're at one of the, the big meetings that go on. It's, it's, it's very exciting. It really is. I, again, I'm feeling very fortunate to be alive at a time when, when one of these is happening because it hasn't yes. happened since World War II, which is you know right. a couple of years before my time. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It, you know, I mean, what was it? Was it Dionne Warwick or what? What was the song, What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love? Well, I'm not going to play it here on the show, but uh, we, we need it. What the world yes. does need now is love, and love is sweet, and love is needed. Um, and so we'll keep talking about this. We'll keep pushing it, saying this is something that um, you should look out and find out more about. Right now, though, can you give out the website one more time so we can get people to go over and look at what is there? Because there's a bunch of stuff that you've worked hard on. Yes. So it's D-I-O-L-C dot org slash the answer. Okay. And there's a dash between the and answer. Mm -hmm. But if you even come close to that, it's going to come up. 
And many times, if you just go to the diocese, the diocese of Lacrosse website, diolc.org, they'll have like little banners going across and things, you know, going past you. And one of them will be this because uh, they're, yes. they're really, they really want you to notice it, uh, which is good. And uh, I was really and and Jack, there's the whole web page for the answer is is very inclusive lots of i mean it's not going to overwhelm anybody there's you know there's like boxes where you can click on what you want to know but it's all there very very helpful some frequently asked questions etc right. and it's also a beautiful web page <laughs> and who who laid that one out for you was that, was that, uh, was that your work that, it was probably Donnell and Zach. Yeah, Donnell's good. Donnell is a yes. graphic artist extraordinaire and uh, yes. who uh, has contributed more than she will ever know to this diocese artistically. Spoken yes. by a guy who can't draw a straight line. Uh, <laughs> and then Chris Rogers is is, pro- is the one that uh, laid it out. In uh, other words, she did it, but he laid out yeah, what it should yeah, look like. So, yeah, lots of good people working on it. Here. Yeah, if I was responsible for designing the webpage for this, you would see a drop-off in church attendance like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> They'd look at, what, what third grader drew this? <laughs> That's why my wife lays out my books and not me, because believe me, visually I am not that kind of guy. Just not that kind of guy. It's exciting, and I'm going to have to go back and take a second look at some of this and see what, what has been added to it. And uh, uh, Boy, I'll tell you, this is a pretty exciting time to be doing this. I'm real happy that we are uh, both on the air and also on, essentially as a podcast, um, on the various uh, podcast media that are out there, because this is um, going to get out much further. We're on two networks, which is great, um, but that plus those who are, are not able to hear on the radio for whatever reason or just prefer you know, going to their, uh, their iPhone, uh, it's all available there too. So you can hear these shows and we will keep doing more of these. You're going to be hearing some neat, very, very interesting people who've got a lot to say as well. But I thought it was very nice and very fitting and very gracious of you to kick off this to try to really tell the big picture all in one hour, um, which is, it, it's a big project. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more on this. And as I always tell all the guests, if something comes up that you need to get out real soon, you get hold of me by a Tuesday and tell me about it. I can be talking about it that weekend. And, okay. And avail yourself, Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. Any final comments, Anne, before we, we, we head out? We managed to burn up an hour, can you believe? Well, I hope to see all the people that are listening out there at the rally on June 7th and then also at some of the smaller processions in the, you know, in the different cities and towns around the diocese. Please don't miss this. This is, this is a once-in-a-lifetime incredible time that God is giving us and you will want to be part of it. So thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Anne Langford, for being here, and we will talk to you again. Yes, thank you. You've been listening to Anne Langford, the Director for Catechesis and Evangelization at the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin, about the exciting events coming up. Just to mention it one more time, the website to go just to find a lot more information, D-I-O-L-C dot org. During my session with Anne, I mentioned that we are also available via podcast. This identical show is also available on Spotify. 
It is on iTunes. If you go to Amazon.com and type in Connecting the Diocese, it should take you to the podcast there as well. It is the same show. Nothing is taken out for the podcast. We had to adjust our musical choices because while radio stations frequently have some kind of blanket licensing that allows you to put a commercial song on, podcasts do not. And so we certainly don't want to get the Diocese of La Crosse in any legal trouble for playing something without paying the artist for the use of their work. There are, however, many independent artists, some of them incredibly talented, who are really, really happy to have something they have composed and played on the air. This show started, what is amazing to me, 10 years ago, and it was on originally one network and later two Catholic networks. And of course, at that time, the explosion of podcasting and all that hadn't yet occurred. And it's just a fortunate thing because because while we love our radio stations, believe me, there are times when people either cannot hear us because of a location that where the transmitters don't get to them, or more often, they don't have time to listen at that particular time. And so with a podcast, you can simply go and click on it and play it any time that you want, or listen to it a second time, or even download it if you want to bring it along and have it in your personal uh, you know, MP3 player. And let's say there's something on one of the shows that you really want to share with a younger person, and frankly, most of them don't really even own an FM radio or AM radio. Well, you can direct them to the podcast, and they'll listen to it on their personal player or their iPhone or whatever they happen to have. So it's a good way of bridging that uh, space between the folks who understand what broadcasting is and those who understand what podcasting is. So Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, Zach gets them up there as quickly as he can, and there are ways of hearing us even if you are outside the range of one of the radio stations. Again, we are trying to connect the diocese. Jack Sosha here with you on the last few minutes of Connecting the Diocese for this week. Thank you so much for listening. And also, I want to mention a special thank you to all of you who have supported this show financially, either through a direct donation or through the Bishop's Annual Appeal. We sure appreciate all the support you can offer. I thought I would replay a little bit of something I did on the basically the first of the year, the first show of the year, that still rings true today. And just a way of, again, thanking all the people in the Diocese of La Crosse for all the wonderful work that they do. So I will leave you with this, and I will look forward to catching you next week, either online or on the air, with Connecting the Diocese. This time of year, it's very common for news organizations everywhere to do the year in review, where they go back and they talk about what happened in the past 12 months. Well, I thought I would do something similar to that for the Diocese of La Crosse. In this past year, in the Diocese of La Crosse, people throughout the 15,000 square miles attended Mass and prayed. Newly ordained priests were earning their wings, as it were, getting deep into the parish life. New seminarians were learning more about what it was going to be like to be a priest. Volunteers throughout the entire diocese worked faithfully week after week to keep things going, keep things clean, keep things organized, and provide invaluable help. Also, our religious communities in the Diocese of La Crosse did their quiet, beautiful work, also including doing a lot of prayer work for prayer requests that do come in from many different sources. Some priests retired, but still kept their hand in the work of the diocese, filling in when needed, and again, praying and praying and praying for the 
benefit of all the people. Our Catholic schools adapted with the times, including new technology to make our education system even better, while at the same time retaining the things that make Catholic schools the great things they are today. Our Catholic hospitals were as busy as ever, caring for the needs of those at the beginning of life with births and at the end of life as they moved on to a greater glory. The priests of the Diocese of La Crosse prepared their homilies to give you fresh insights every day or every week. They performed baptisms. They performed weddings. They performed funeral masses, all with care and with concern. The folks at Catholic Charities dealt with the ever-changing needs of our great 15,000-square-mile community. And, of course, the diocesan courier staff dealt with everything from dealing with the missions to youth and young adult ministries to social concerns, just keeping track of what's going on and helping every way they possibly could. So now, after a very brief pause, a brand new year, and it all starts again. Happy New Year to every single one of you, and thank you so much.